I'm Sam. I'm David. And this is Trafe. So welcome back to the Trafe podcast. Yes, episode 37. It's double high plus one. So you know you're in for a treat. Thanks for keeping track. <laughs> I'd, I'd also like to start off by apologizing for my increased nasalness or nasality. I'll never apologize for that, Sam. <laughs> That's some internalized self-hatred. I'm battling a cold right now and cannot do very much about it. Rafua uh, Shalema, Sam. <laughs> Thank you, David. A little behind the scenes, Sam has been unavailable for quite a bit due to the uh, intense pressures of studying law, but it's uh, taken quite a toll, I can see. It has. Yeah, no, I finished exams, and at the end of that, I just could not move for a few days. Uh, But we're back with episode 37, which is relevant in multiple ways, not least of which is that this marks three years since we started work on the show. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that we've been at this for so long. What are we doing to mark this occasion, David? We're going to be reading letters from listeners of the show. And what's been great about this in the past, and I hope is the same for this letters episode, is that we get a chance to kind of talk about what we've been doing and and reflect more. Yeah, I get to see a little behind the scenes. (laughs) Uh, But Sam. Yes, David. What is the Trave Podcast? Um, I would say it's a radio show produced monthly by two people living in occupied Gandhagaga territory. And we generally try to engage with issues and questions on the Jewish left. We often have smarter, more experienced, more interesting people come on and explain the issues to the two of us. Uh, Although, uh, heads up, there's no other person on this show today. So if you want to tune out, maybe just put some headphones on on your telephone or whatever listening device you have and let it play out. Like, don't listen. Like, put the headphones aside. But, well, like, uh, well, help our egos. Help, help boost the numbers for this episode. But what other important markers have we just passed? I think you might be referring to a little something called Mayday. Uh, for people who aren't familiar at all, maybe people who aren't coming from a radical leftist background listening to the show, Sam, what, what is Mayday? There's a lot there to unpack, and I really just hope that if someone doesn't know what Mayday is and they're listening, they might like reserve an hour or two on the internet and kind of do the research. Well, maybe I'll just shortly say <laughs> that beyond being historically International Workers' Day, having a, a great history of immigrant Jews organizing in America and Canada on this day, it's it's often a day where many of us feel urged to emphasize the just world that we want, where labor is not exploited from us, where all our communities are free, and where we live every year, there's a big anti-capitalist May Day demonstration, uh, which happened yesterday. Yeah, it seemed like there were several demonstrations yesterday, including a demo on the weekend for the unions who didn't want to have their demo during the weekday. Yeah, anti-scoyach to the unions. Um, but the CLAC... Which is the Coalition pour les luttes anti-capitalistes. They called for the yearly May Day demonstration, which many of us went to, and it was confronted by and, and dispersed by police very violently, fairly quickly. Several friends and comrades of ours uh, were beaten up pretty severely by the police. So just uh, extending an additional refu shalema to all those folks and anyone who experienced police violence yesterday during uh, this really important marker. Speaking of taking to the streets... Oh, please, continue. I have bad news for you. This is a different kind of taking to the streets that you might be less content to hear about than a May Day protest. Oh, is it far-right stuff? Um, It's not far-right stuff in the traditional sense of far-right. Oh, I don't like where this is going. However, the Belzer Rebbe has arrived in my neighborhood and has been a wild experience. An entire street was blocked off. A red carpet was strewn down the entirety of the middle of the street. Oh, wow. And a couple Lincoln Navigators pulled up. <laughs> and this fellow came out 
well, I mean, he was surrounded by other people, but the entire street was filled with people kind of singing and chanting and, and, and being excited about his arrival. They erected a tent on one of the major thoroughfares that takes up the entire parking lot. There have been people working nonstop for the last week. There's just a buzz in the neighborhood that is kind of exciting. I mean, the the thing that you were saying where they put down the red carpet reminded me of watching that Netflix documentary about the Bhagwan Rajneesh cult uh, on the West Coast of the United States. Oh, is, is, is that the Netflix show that everyone's talking about? Yeah. And so when he arrives in the United States to do a similar thing where he's driving this fancy car and they put down this red carpet and vacuum it and everyone's standing there awaiting his arrival and that's immediately what came to mind for me yeah i mean for people who don't know the bells Hasids, they're a, a hasidic sect that originated in the town of bells which is in ukraine uh, near poland um and eventually relocated to palestine they're very zionist um uh, pretty racist but yeah david it's been pretty bonkers in the neighborhood i think it's going to be pretty bonkers in the neighborhood for the next couple of days yeah and and again look up the bells Hasid movement uh you'll unfortunately find some things you if you're a listener to the show you will not like yeah and and by all means this is not an endorsement of the community necessarily so sam back to the reason we're all here today to celebrate the three-year anniversary of the show and read some letters from listeners so this is your episode of Traith for the 25th of ER 5778. Okay, so I'm just opening up the tray of mailbag here, bringing out the first letter. Uh, Sam, would you like to uh, read this? It'd be my pleasure. So the first letter is from someone named Mitchell, or Mitchell. Hi, Mitchell. Um, the question reads as follows: What are your either individually or as Traif, ten favorite resources? Open brackets, books, documentaries, movies, podcasts, etc., etc., close brackets, about Jews with regards to race, anti-Semitism, class, gender, and or Zionism. Well, thanks for the letter, Mitchell. Thank you again, Mitchell. Okay, so I mean, just speaking for myself, the number one resource that I feel is the best introduction to the entire milieu behind Trave Podcast, sort of what brought me into this milieu originally is a documentary that was made by Pacific Street Films called The Free Voice of Labor. It is about the closing of the Freie Arbeiterstimme, which translates to The Free Voice of Labor, which is a longtime uh, Jewish anarchist paper based in New York City uh, that was written in Yiddish. And Paul Average, who is this very well-known anarchist historian of this milieu, it documents his interactions with sort of the final crew of this newspaper as they shut down talking about their lives and and this other time. It's a fantastic documentary. I know we recommend it all the time, but this is my number one resource. Okay, Mitchell, I don't think it's going to be a top 10, but it's going to be a loose favorite list. So I would say as as a side piece to to the Free Voice of Labor documentary would also be Kenyon Zimmer's book called Immigrants Against the State. It tracks the history of the Italian and Yiddish anarchists turn of the century, United States of America, 
really worth checking out after you watch a documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone else who we talk about all the time on the show and, and, and talk with as well is Aurora Levins-Morales, who's this incredible movement elder who has tons of amazing writing about almost all of these subjects. Uh, you can go to her website, auroralevinsmorales.com. She has her own podcast. She has a Patreon. Highly, highly recommend Aurora. Now, so do you have any any other ones? I would like to suggest Ella Shohat. Uh, of course. Pretty much everything that she's written. But she recently put out a compendium of all those texts. It was published by Pluto Press in 2017. It's called On the Arab Jew, Palestine, and Other Displacements. Go check that out. That's important reading. A, a key person to read when thinking about so many issues related to Jewishness. Mm-hmm. And, and again, we could probably do this uh, for a very long time, but I don't think it's the most compelling radio <laughs> to hear a bunch of resources <laughs> lift, listed off. So I'll just finish it with one more. Uh, there's a book called uh, Unheroic Conduct, The Rise of Heterosexuality and the Invention of the Jewish Man. Uh, it's by Daniel Bayarin. It's a fantastic resource for dealing with questions of masculinity through a Jewish lens. And I highly recommend that book as well. Okay, David, um, you seem to be spent on this question. I'll end off by suggesting two Twitter users, uh, Rebecca Pierce and Mark Tang Putterman. If you want to kind of follow people who are writing good things and doing good work, follow them. Um, Also, if anyone wants to like make a broader list of resources, we'd love to contribute to it. So thanks, Mitchell, for the letter. Okay, so the next letter is from Leah, last name withheld. And Leah writes, Shalom, comrades. Shalom, Leah. After covering the Jewish left for a couple of years, have you noticed any trends that other people aren't talking about? Keep up the good work, Leia. Great question, Leia. Feels a little bit over my pay grade. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I probably should have prepared a little more before responding. Off the top, it does feel, from my vantage point, like the Jewish left, at least in North America, has gotten bigger. Yeah, it's definitely grown significantly. Even in the three or four years that we've kind of been more attuned... And I don't know, is David, is that a good thing? Um, I think it is definitely a good thing, but I think it's symptomatic of things getting more dire and stark. Mm. Um, so it's a silver lining on a very dark cloud, I think. Okay. But I'll take the silver linings where I can get them. <laughs> yeah. Well, David, I, I love your optimism here. <laughs> um, all right. So, so what's behind this exactly? Like, I think it's pretty clear to most of us watching what's happening right now, where you have the liberal veneer has sort of been pulled off of multiple political projects, dominant political projects simultaneously, you know, whether it's white supremacy in the United States or colonialism on this continent or in Palestine or or capitalism or whatever it is, the liberal veneer held by a liberal establishment has mostly gone away. And as a result, sure, there are people who are clinging to that veneer and want to maintain that establishment. But I think you're seeing a surge in the far right and people coming to the radical left because they're actually seeing and having to grapple with those contradictions. Mm. Like right now, there are all these opinion polls last couple of years that you see of like a wild amount of millennials oppose capitalism, where when systems are not working for you, you're more likely to be interested and pursue alternatives to it or oppose that system. So in the Jewish community, the contradictions of the Zionist project, the Trump administration gaining power and revealing the contradictions with of white supremacy, like all these things have come to a head in a way that are very undeniable. So David's thesis about trends right now is that liberal veneer is pulled, Jewish people exposed to contradictions, Jewish organizing increases. 
Yeah, and I don't think this is unique to the left. Like the far right is growing wildly and has achieved state power in the United States, mm, right? Like I don't mm, think mm. what we're talking about is it would fit the criteria of what trends people aren't talking about. I think this is the thing people are talking about constantly. Okay, so so with that being said, do you feel like there are trends that have kind of gone under the radar on the Jewish left? I do, yeah. I think that one trend that I don't really see talked about very intentionally is that over the past decade, or even just in the last five years, to be honest, there's been a huge growth of the presence of religion in what we would describe as the radical Jewish left. Mm. I mean, my, my first instinct here is to think that we're getting older. Maybe religion is something that people become more open to as they get older. Obviously, I'm generalizing. Well, yeah, but the thing is that at least how it's been my vantage point in various organizations is that the influx of religion has been coming from the younger contingent of mm. Jewish leftists, not the mm. older. It seems like the older Jewish leftists that I know have had a difficult time adapting in, in large part to this shift who are tied to sort of like a different time of the Jewish left that mm. is much more explicitly secular. Do you feel like you know where this is coming from or this is just a trend you want? I mean, it's just a trend that I'm noticing that's okay. like fairly significant, I think. Yeah. And it's in many ways transformed a lot of Jewish organizations, mm. some of which for the better. But I think it also has created a situation where a lot of younger Jewish radicals and Jewish leftists are coming into radical Jewish spaces unaware of the entire history of sort of secular radical left Jewish culture and organizing. And again, I don't want to say that this has been unaddressed. There was one article, and uh, I think it was the last issue or two issues ago of Jewish Currents that, that talked about this, sort of announced the death of Jewish secularism huh. in the United States. And, and I'm feeling that. Yeah, I, I feel increasingly that sort of the incarnation of Jewish anarchism that I have a very strong connection to. And that's the history that I feel myself trying to continue. And, and when I look around, I don't see very much of that anymore. Mm. All right. So, David, we got two trends, uh, larger and more religious. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you want to add to this response to Leia, last name withheld? Or would you like to move on to letter number three? Uh, that's it for now. Uh, let's go on. Do you want to read the next letter? It would be my pleasure. The next letter is from Troy, last name withheld. Um, the letter reads as follows. My daughter, Lucy, age 10, sitting here knitting, heard you say penis on podcast four. <laughs> Wait, what? Anti-blackness in Quebec. Is that true? It's at five minutes and 45 seconds. <laughs> you said indie penis. Uh... Sounded like indie penis. <laughs> Thanks, Troy. And there, there's a photo attached of Troy and Lucy kind of giggling. Oh, that's actually adorable. It's very cute. Um, <laughs> Thanks for having a good try. Troy and Lucy, shout out. I would have to assume that it was me who yeah, said ND penis. I vaguely remember this. Because I, there's no way you would say the words NDP ness. I would never say that. So it had to have been me. <laughs> Troy and Lucy, I'm 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 sorry. I'm glad you were listening to an old Trafe episode. Though. I have to dissent that I am incredibly embarrassed that anyone was listening to shows that old. And uh, Lucy, be in touch. Um, let us know what you think of the pod. We'd love to get your feedback. Thanks for writing in, Troy. Okay, so the next question is from Lane, last name withheld. Hello, Lane. And Lane writes, who is your favorite Jewish communist or socialist from history? P.S. Please say Rosa. Do you want to start on this one, Sam? I don't like this favorite game. Everyone's asking us about what's our favorite book? Who's our favorite person? <laughs> 
So unlike Sam, I love our listeners and think that your questions are excellent. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like I, I also have a fairly iconoclastic tendency, so I'm hesitant as well for, I think, similar reasons. But the first person that comes to mind for me is David Gilbert. David Gilbert is a white anti-imperialist who was a member of the Weather Underground, one of the uh, handful of people from that group who sort of parted ways and refused to throw people of color under the bus, um, joined the Black Liberation Army, and has been in prison for decades as a political prisoner. He's written several books, including Love and Struggle, which I'd highly recommend. And as a young person growing up, being introduced to a lot of radical leftist ideas, David Gilbert and Laura Whitehorn were both Jewish leftists who are members of the Weather Underground and then other very relevant organizations after that, who at various times would describe themselves as communists or anti-imperialists whose politics influenced me significantly. So yeah, I'd say David Gilbert. Also, uh, Mark Edelman, who is a, a Bundist, who is, he died in the early 2000s, but at that time was the last surviving leader of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. Um, he, he took some positions that I don't think either of us would agree with on the Iraq War in the decade before he died, but... A lot of his writing and his actions during that time were incredibly inspiring to me. Um, I think about him a lot and some of the things that he's said and written. But I'd say generally my tendency would be to go to a libertarian socialist, otherwise known as an anarchist, but uh, trying to stick to the spirit of the question. Listen, we've we, we've mentioned her on the show already. I think Aurora Levins Morales is someone who's very much part of the present, but also someone who's been around for a while. If you don't know who I'm talking about, then you probably haven't listened to Trafe. We've done two episodes with her now, or three, so she, her, she was referred to about two or three questions ago. I think she's up there in terms of important Jewish communists or socialists. I think there's also, I'm also tied to my 18 or 19-year-old self's appreciation for Emma Goldman mm-hmm. and kind of what, how reading about her life and most of her worldviews kind of brought me into this world to a certain extent. Yeah. So although I still feel a little hesitant about certain things. Um, Vis-a-vis colonialism, especially. Yes. Um, I think her history and her legacy is something that really informed how I got to where I am today. So I would say um, Emma Goldman and, and Aurora Levins Morales. So thanks, Lane, for writing in. The next question is from Leela, last name withheld. And they write... Can you talk about class issues as they relate to Jewish resistance, please? Like, how do you think we're limited by Jews striving for class status, even while working towards liberation? Well, thanks for writing in. Yes, we really appreciate this letter. The first thing that comes to mind is that I recently got tagged in a post about someone who's putting together a zine on this subject. Um, The person's name is Diana CLK on Facebook. So we'll put a link in our show notes, but I think just as a heads up, they have a zine coming out deadline June 15th. So check that out. That is a side note. Yeah, but I think I think this this relates to something that we've sort of been struggling with with the show more behind the scenes is that the way the show has sort of worked so far is that we're really dependent on Jewish organizing existing and taking specific focuses to talk about those focuses. So, you know, if a Jewish organization decides to throw an anti-capitalist demonstration, we can talk about anti-capitalist Jewish organizing. But if that doesn't happen, we can't or we haven't been able to. And, yeah, and, or, or we've chosen not to. Yeah, and so we're, yeah. We're, we're in a process of gradually shifting how we're approaching these issues on the show so we're not really waiting for organizing to exist that we can we can point to and talk about. They're actually just going to be talking about the issues. And and this has come up not just about class but also around settler colonial issues. Yeah, and, and, and I mean something we've talked about on the podcast since day one is the fact that 
we want to center discussions around settler colonialism in North America, particularly as they related to Jewish solidarity organizing in Palestine. And I don't think we've done a great job at that. Um, David yeah. David alluded to one of the reasons why, but I don't really think that's an excuse. Mm-hmm. I think that Jewish leftist organizing, ours included, I mean, not talking about the show, but talking about stuff we do outside of the studio in Montreal and, and, and around, does not adequately address our role as settlers. Yeah, but the the thrust of the question, I think we're sort of step sideways from the, yeah, the no, actual no, but, question. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's caveats that yeah. I think need to be given. But the, the thrust of the question is how we're limited by striving for class status. And, and I don't think there's one answer to that. Like, I think that that depends on who you are and where you're coming from. Like, if you are someone who grew up middle class, has access to some wealth, if you're a white person, like, your relationship to class and, and striving for class status is going to look a lot different from someone coming from a working class background who has no access to capital or wealth of any kind. Mm. Um, it, it's going to be totally different uh, between a white person, a person of color, indigenous person, a black person, like all these experiences are going to be so different. So it feels hard for me to answer this question in a sort of universal way. Um, like I can talk about what it means for me as a, as a person. Yeah. Start with that. And then I think we can, maybe you want to take that away. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I was, we were talking earlier about the free voice of labor documentary, you know, talking about all these older Jewish anarchists from a different time. And in the documentary, the trajectory of a lot of these people is that they became middle class the end of that story for them was one of comfort. And growing up in a white middle-class community of, of Jews, there is a part of my brain that's wired to respond to that narrative, to think that beyond the struggle, there is this space that looks like that waiting for me, mm. which is a total myth that I, I'm actively working to dispel, even though while I intellectually understand what is ahead to be different and what needs to be ahead to be radically different from that. There's just a part of my wiring that responds to that and sort of expects it. And it can affect decision-making. I've noticed it steering me away from certain kinds of risk. And these are all things that I, for myself, I need to work on in terms of having a genuine commitment to combating capitalism and colonialism and white supremacy. Well, I think this is part of an answer. Not the most linear of all answers. Um, I think this is fodder for an upcoming show. So thank you so much for this question. It's it's kind of inspired us to pay a little bit of more, more attention to how we're going to plan the next couple of episodes. Okay, so we have one last question. Uh, you want to read this one, Sam? It would be an honor. So the next letter is from first name and last name withheld. <laughs> it says, hello, Trafe. Why don't you talk about hockey and or punk more on the show? Aside from Jewish radicalism, these are two of my favorite things. Oh, I know who this is. It appears that 50% of your team is well-suited for one of these bureaus, <laughs> while the other 50% of your team is suited for the other. Perhaps you should consider merging your hockey commentary and punk rock bureaus. Oh, my God. Or if you are looking for a special guest who can act as a bridge between those two bureaus, I think I might know someone. Okay, so thank you, Aaron, last name withheld, <laughs> uh, former news coordinator for CKUT. That question felt like it had a, like a rebellious beat to it. What Sam's trying to say is that uh, Aaron is the host of the Rebel Beat podcast. <laughs> and if you enjoy uh, music that is made by people with radical left politics, you should check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, but Sam, what do you think about this suggestion? I would be okay to talk about hockey. I know nothing about punk rock. I think the problem is that neither of us know anything about this other realm. Yeah, and are like actively disinterested. 
I got to be honest with you. I want to like punk music. It like when I was younger, I like aspired to like it, but it makes me anxious. Every time I have ever described to Sam what kind of music Abandonment plays, Sam always just gets really tense. It just, it just says that makes me nervous. Yeah, I, like I don't love loud sounds too much or like hurried BPMs, I guess. Nervous energy. I, David, I think I'm sensitive to energy. I think uh, you're onto something there. <laughs> but um, I don't know. We could each for 15 seconds talk about punk and hockey. I have to, I still, I, I, I don't really want to hear about hockey. All right. Well, I got bad news for you, David. <laughs> got a little anecdote. Okay. So in the, I think, 30s and 40s, there was a player on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I believe the New York Rangers. I'm sorry, Sam, your 15 seconds are up. <laughs> Thanks on, for tuning in. Come on, David. This is a good story. Um, so there was a hockey player who played for Toronto and for New York in the 30s and 40s, and his name was Alex Levinsky. Mm-hmm. He had a nickname. Do you know what that nickname was? Um, nope. Mein Boy. Do you know why? <laughs> Mine Boy. Do you know why? Because uh, that's German. Well, it's Yiddish. But but do you know why that was his nickname? Because uh, he's Jewish? Nope, because his dad used to come to the game and yell, that's Mine Boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good anecdote. It's a good, it's a good hockey yeah, story. That definitely has a home at Trafe Podcast. So, Aaron, you're welcome. Yeah, I can uh, think of no suitable uh, punk anecdote, unfortunately. So on that note, we will retire the Trafe mailbag and put it back upstairs in the cubby in the CKOT mailbox where it sits all year round. Yes, and please feel free to send mail to trafepodcast at gmail.com where it gets printed, put it in an envelope, and place in the mailbag. Thanks again for writing in. This is Emily calling from Toronto. I'd like to invite all of the Toronto listeners to come out to this year's counterpresence to the UJA's Walk with Israel on May 27th. For the past 17 years, a group of dedicated people, both Jewish and non-Jewish, have stood steadfast in opposing this uncritical support of a violent colonial state. We will stand together behind banners proclaiming, Justice for Palestine, Occupation is not our Judaism, and from Turtle Island to Palestine, colonization is a crime. The counter-presence is being held in downtown Toronto on Sunday, May 27th, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. There will be banners, there will be snacks. When spirits are low and the JDL is being predictably vulgar, there will also be some singing. The exact location will be announced closer to the date, so stay tuned on our Facebook page by looking up What Are You Walking With? Thank you, Trace Podcast, and I look forward to seeing y'all there. Sick of non sequiturs. No, I, I really love them. It's time for Skoyach. 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 Welcome, welcome, bienvenue to the world renowned segment where David and I 
give a thumbs up, a thumbs down, a meh to uh, various <laughs> issues, themes, events that have gone on in the past week. I like the meh option. I've never done that one before. It's on the table. So should we start with your score, Sam? No, David. I think we should end on a positive note. It is okay. it is no fun to end on a downer. Then we have to make some joke. I like how you just assumed that <laughs> I am bringing an anti square today. I think you're at least bringing one anti square. All right. You got my number. So should I start? Proceed. So my anti square today is going to the Republican Party of the United States. Okay. That's fascinating. I feel like they just get a perma anti square. No? Oh, yeah, usually. But today they get an extra one because right now in the lead up to the midterm elections that are happening in the fall, there are not one, not two, but three explicitly anti-Semitic candidates running uh, within either the primary system or against a Democratic opponent. Three. Yeah. So uh, the first is a guy named Arthur Jones. Um, Yeah. So he used to be the head of the American Nazi Party. Well, David, we're off to a very bad start here. (laughs) Yeah. And so... He was the only person to run. He won uncontested in the Republican primary for Illinois' third congressional district. So he is now the nominee. Uh, the second person is Paul Nellen, who is running to replace Paul Ryan in the Republican primary for Wisconsin's first congressional district. And then there's Patrick Little, who is now running in the Republican primary for California's Senate seat, currently held by Diane Feinstein. Well, that that is absolutely terrible news, David. Um are there particularly egregious facts about any of these characters that you would like to highlight? Well, you mean you mean the guy who was a former leader of the American Nazi Party? I mean, maybe that's a good place to start. Um, well, well, in, in that case, it's a solidly Democratic district. It, people, The consensus is there's no chance of a Republican winning there, which is why he was the only person to throw his hat into the ring. Okay, but it's but it's the fact that like there is a Nazi running in a congressional race is, is in and of itself very troubling. Yeah, like he's on CNN talking about how the Jews control the media and all this stuff, the corrupting influence of the Jewish people. And uh, Paul Nellen, who's running to replace Paul Ryan, has decent numbers and fundraising behind him. And Trump has actually praised him on Twitter. Oh, wow. So this is is different in the sense that like this is someone who actually has institutional support? Uh, Well, the Republican Party has disavowed him, but Trump has praised him online. <laughs> All right, we're not going down that rabbit hole, but is this Nellen character more like Infowarsy Breitbart or like explicit American Nazi no, party? No, like Richard Spencer has actually come out and say he's too explicitly racist. Um, oh. He describes himself as pro-white. Um, I mean, he went on David Duke's radio show to talk about how Jews control the media well, to give you a flavor of the campaign. Okay. Um, That's not great. One thing that all these three have in common is not just that they're anti-Semitic, it's that they're running on an anti-Semitic platform Mm. where they're running to take on the conspiracy of Jewish control, essentially. Well, that's not great. And and, and so where do you think the responsibility of the Republican Party lies in all this? Because clearly you're giving the anti-square to the party and and, and not these individual characters. I, I think it says something about the Republican Party and where it's currently at, that this is who their base is at the moment, and this is who they've empowered to have access to these platforms. Mm-hmm. You know, they can disavow them, but it's too late. These people are actually, like Patrick Little, who's running in the Republican primary in California, he's only pulling about 18% below Dianne Feinstein. He'd actually have a shot in the election. So it, it just represents the way that these fringe white supremacists are making their way into the mainstream via the Republican Party. Mm. And that's not for no reason. I hear you, David. Um, So do you have more negativity today or or, or is the rest uh, more on the upwards trajectory? Um, So since we're commemorating many anniversaries today, Uh let's take a step back to 10 years ago. I was 20 years old. It's uh, 2008. 
the Iraq war is in full effect. And George Bush goes to Baghdad for a press conference. Oh, I think I know where you're going with this one. And one journalist named Mutadr al-Zaidi... God bless him. ...took off his shoe and said, This is a goodbye kiss from the Iraqi people, dog. This is from the widows, the orphans, and those who are killed in Iraq, and threw his shoes at George W. Bush. A very important moment. The video is incredible for anyone who has not seen it. Um, I do have to give credit to Mr. Bush for dodging it. The worst part of that video is that those shoes do not hit him. But to be honest, if the shoes had hit him, he probably would have been in even rougher shape because he was put into jail for almost a year. He was tortured severely, broken teeth, bone fractures, lots of injuries when he got out. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, he, he moved to Europe and started a nonprofit to help Iraqi war victims. And a few days ago, he announced his candidacy for a seat in the Iraqi parliament. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, he is a candidate in this new party. It translates as uh, Marching Toward Reform. Uh, it's like a coalition of a lot of different groups. And uh, I don't know. It just felt like a nice positive note to bring to Shkoyach. Mm. Well, shout out to him and, and, and shout out to the memory of, of 10 years ago. Um, we will post a link to the shoe throwing affair in the show notes. So, Sam, what's what's your Shkoyach for uh, this episode? David, my shkoyal falls into a suite of shkoyals that I've given before. Like that it tastes sweet or it's part of several? It's part of several, but it also tastes sweet. Okay. Um, This is my Sam likes food and discovers it for the first time segment. Uh, Very classic genre. (laughs) We've done sweet potatoes before. We've done apple crisp. What's the shkoyal, Sam? So my shkoyal goes to dates. Okay. Okay. Have you just discovered the magic of dates? Yes. A couple weeks ago. And I'm on a complete date binge. But what, what kind of date are you eating? So here's the deal. I'm giving a shkoyal for very selfish reasons. I want to know more about dates. So I've gone to a bunch of grocery stores. I've bought in different kinds. I want more information about dates. I want a date expert to teach me more about the variance of dates, um, where I should be acquiring dates, etc. Maybe some good recipes with dates. I can give you a date tutorial uh, next time I go to the grocery store. But uh, tweet at Sam. Um, no jokes about dates. We get it. Dates sound like going on a date. We understand. But more date info I'd like. I'd also really like date recipes. I want to try more to explore the, the culinary arts uh, with dates. All right. Um, so before we go, we have a special guest show for today. We are joined by Avi from Radio 613, the uh, radical Jewish radio show that preceded our own. I actually came to give a shkoyach to um, a show that was on live, not to give one to the two of you. Um, <laughs> but I happened to run into you two beautiful yids. So my shkoyach is to the person I came to give an in-person shkoyach to, but I didn't get to see, which is Sundus, who hosts the Graham Breakers on CKUT every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Today she had an interview with Emery Douglas, the artist from the Black Panthers, and she plays artists who are groundbreakers and it's a fabulous show i don't know if so much is a podcast but you can go in the archives so shkoyach to you sundus thanks avi so that is episode 37 of the trade podcast that was tons of fun um Anyone who's listening and is in Montreal, just come to CKUT and we might be recording and uh, you might uh, get to give a shkoyal. Yeah, that's a big gamble, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, message us at trafepodcast at gmail.com. That might be a smarter way to do it.
So the, the next episode we're working on is one about the situation in Gaza right now. 50 protesters killed by Israeli snipers. Um, we were hoping to have it ready a bit earlier. We want to take our time with this one. So uh, keep an eye out for the next episode of the podcast feed. We'll be talking a bit more about the mobilization and the repression that we're seeing happening there right now. Trafe Podcast is Sam Beck and David Zinman. A huge thanks to CQT 90.3 FM, where we record this podcast under the shadow of the giant cross of secularism on occupied Ganegahaga territory. Thanks as always to Claire Hertig, our Minister of Design, to Cadence O'Neill, who designed TrafePodcast.com, to Kira Page, our social media consultant, and to Ariana Katz, the Trafe staff rabbi. And a big shout out to Saxon German so-called for the music. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TrafePodcast, T-R-E-Y-F, or send us comments, suggestions, or hate mail to TrafePodcast at gmail.com. Give us a big old like on uh, Apple Podcasts. I don't think that's how it works. And if you can, help us out on the Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. See you next month. You go to the D's and then dates and then you solve the date problem. Yeah, or go to the library. If the Look great up date resource. in the library. Yeah, see what you come up uh, with. Listen, everyone, I know how to do research. Um, I'm just saying I would like someone to like I would like more you guidance in this research. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah.